fatherless is such a um, epidemic proportions. You know, like when I minister at uh, McLaren's and stuff, we could sit in a circle and ask how many had a dad and mom in uh, raising them up, and probably only about like 20% would say they had a mom and a dad together. Because so, if you have a mom and dad in the house and then you're there together, you could just say thank you, Jesus, for bringing them and keeping them. And even though, um, even without that, though, God is able to raise you up and to help you. Amen. Because He's a Father. To the fatherless, that's what the Bible says. And so he'll take care of us and help us. Today I wanted to read a scripture which is, um, you know, I was like, God, are you sure you want me to talk about this for Father's Day? And uh, he said, yep, because it's good news. We got good news for the family, good news for the family. If we turn to um, uh, 1 Samuel uh, chapter 30. I'm not going to read the whole chapter, but um, it's a very interesting story. I did kind of talk a little bit last week about, I think it was last week, when I talked about encouraging yourself in the Lord. That's where we get the scripture where David was down at Ziglag. But um, there's some interesting parts to that, um, that story there. And, um, and uh, number one is that um, David was having a hard time in life. You know, he was anointed. I mean, just think about it. You come out. You know, all your brothers, you're back in the field, and you get anointed, and God chooses you, the least of the least. He's out there just hanging out, and he becomes anointed man of God. And then he sees a giant in the land, Goliath, about nine feet tall, and wouldn't the NBA like to have him? Like, for, forget LeBron. You could just have somebody just go like this, dunk. But... um. But he was, he was a powerful man of God, and he was anointed of God. But the person he served started to dislike him because of uh, envy. Because they said, David, uh, Saul slays his thousand, David slays his ten thousand. And something got into Saul's heart where he lost, uh, good, he lost his fellowship with him. And I mean, I mean, he lost a lot of fellowship because uh, when spirits start going against the wall while you're eating dinner... You're thinking the fellowship's over, ain't it? Shoop. Like David's like, I got to run. So he ran from Saul, but he was, he was gifted and talented in war, and he had men that followed him. And so he ended up, ended up uh, actually working with the Philistines. He was, uh, he was helping the Philistines in battle because that's what he lived for. That's what he wanted to do, and he had, he had like um, 600 men that did it with him, and then if you look in chapter 29, it talks about the Philistines are going to war, and they're like, is that David the Hebrew? And they're like, yeah. And he goes, he's been faithful to me for years. He's always done good, but, you know, I, I, I really, he's like an angel. And he says, well, guess what? We don't want him to go to war with us because if we go to war against the Hebrews, what a better way for him to reconcile with the, his own people by taking our heads off. So they got rid of David. And so David, he gets rejected by his own. He goes and helps the Philistine for three years, doing an excellent job, where he says, you, you have been so perfect, I'd almost, uh, I would attribute you to being an angel in, in this area. And it's like, man, he loses his friendship, and he ends up, I uh, uh, have to go back. And so they go back to Ziglag, and this, this is where he ends up in Ziglag. And Ziglag is where his wife, his wives, he had two wives, I mean, isn't it hard enough to have one? I mean... You're going to have two of them. But he had two wives. He had Abigail and another lady at, at that time. And he had children, and all the men had children and everything else. And they go back to Ziglag, and they get into a place 
where they see that life is not even is even worse. Why? Because they find. Uh, let's we're starting on uh, this verse right here of chapter um, thirty, verse one. It says they they in. Three days later, when David and his men arrived at their town in Ziglag, they found that the Amalekites had taken, had made a raid into Nagab and Ziglag, and they had crushed Ziglag and burned it down to the ground. You talk about bad times. Burn it down to the ground. They carried off the women and the children and everyone else, but without killing them, which is right there is the hand of God, even in the most hardest, roughest times, God's hand could still be in there. You know that, right? Even if you're in the middle of a battle, God's hand's in there. And we have testimonies after testimonies how God sovereignly helped people at times in the most negative times. Well, this is a good deal because they didn't kill anybody, but they took everybody. When David and his men saw the ruins, they realized what had happened to their families, and they wept where they could weep no more. That's a sad party when you run out of tears and you're running out of prayer. And then people started thinking some negative thoughts right after that. They wept no more. David's two wives, Ananiah uh, from um, Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Na uh, Nabal from Carmel, was among these captured. David was now in great danger because all his men were very bitter about losing their sons and their daughters. And they began to talk of stoning David. Think about it. What kind of life is this? Your leader leaves you. You go get another place. They leave you. Go back home. Your family's gone and burnt. And now your own men are going to kill you. That's a rough day, isn't it? David, just what he did is he decided he encouraged himself in the Lord. He, he started strengthening himself in the Lord. He started worshiping the Lord. He started to um, uh, uh be uh, just trust in the Lord, you know, and, and I think that um, sometimes we have to encourage ourselves, but you know what, I think we need to be, there need to be more encouragers in the church. What do you think about that? I think there's, we need to be some more Barnabas around. You know, Barnabas, his name was Barnabas, the son of encouragement. I think that if we could just, because you know what, sometimes when you're in a battle, you may look bad, don't, don't, don't hurt them, why don't you encourage them? Say, so you're going to make it. You're going to help it. God's going to be with you. We need more encouragers. And so then, um, so David, um, he called the priest, Abathar, and in verse 7, he called it, and, and then he, and, and he, um, he, he got the, um, the ephod, which was the apron um, of the priestly apron where they did priestly acts, and they prayed. And he says, let's seek God and find out for directions. You know, first of all, he could have just said, look, whatever, you know, it's over, let's quit. Or he could have said, let's just gather a group and do this and do that. He could have had all kinds of strategies. But instead he says, you know what, we're not, we need to get God on this deal. I'm at the wit's end. We need to get God. Anybody been at your wit's end? So now you ain't got no choice, you got to pray. I always say your prayer life is best when things are going hard. If you're on the mountaintop, it's hard to have a good prayer life. Man, what for? I'm doing great. But when things are tough, all of a sudden you're fervent in prayer. Well, they, they, they said, look, we're not just going to pray, but we're going to do it the right way. We're going to get the ephod, we're going to get the priest, and we're going to ask God for direction. Come on, man. Do you know God still leads his people? The Bible says the Spirit of God will come and lead you and guide you into all truth. And the Bible says that are many are led by the Spirit, they are the sons and daughters of God. So David knew that, hey, 
I'm beyond my resources. I can't use my, my committees. I can't use my leaders because my leaders almost, some of them have stones in their pockets ready to toss them at me. So I got to get a hold of God and see what God would call me to do. And so the Bible says that David inquired of the Lord in verse 30. And this is the NIV version. It says, and he inquired of the Lord. She said, shall I pursue this raiding party and overtake them? And God said this, pursue them. He answered, you will certainly overtake them and succeed in this rescue. Hallelujah. Get a word of the Lord and guess what's going to happen? You will surely succeed. If it's just a man's idea and it's just a bunch of ideas, uh, you have a pretty good chance that you're not going to get to where you need to be, unless it's a simple thing. But when it's talking about going into battle, trying to retrieve the things that God has called you to have, you better be seeking the Lord, we better be seeking the Lord, and getting a message from the Lord. And he gives them a message. And I love what the King James says. The King James says, uh, David's inquired, or, or first I'll do the, um, yeah, the King James said, and David inquired at the Lord saying, shall I pursue after this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him and pursued, he answered him, pursue, for thou shalt overtake them and, 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 and without fail recover all. Somebody say recover all. All. What does all mean? God wants, to, God wants to recover all. And he already did. When he went to the cross, we celebrated his death and resurrection. When he went to the cross, he went down into the grave, took the keys of death from the enemy, and he recovered all. The Bible says, having spoiled principalities, he made a show of them openly, triumphantly, openly, before the enemy and before the world, saying, death is conquered and I'm going to recover life once again, and death will have no more sting. God's into the recovering business. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad that God doesn't let us stay down in the dumps forever? I'm glad. I'm glad, and I know we're glad. So what, what he said, recover all, and I put exclamation, exclamation. You know, and, and this is our message today. Take back. Take it back, recover all, and take back our families. Come on. It's a Father's Day message. We're talking about our children. We're talking about our grandmothers. We're talking about our families. How many have families that's lost without hope, seems like? Come on now. You know what God's saying today? Take back your family. He gives us permission to war back for our family. And this is what I believe God is saying. God is saying that as we, as Salem First, as we gather together, as we do his kingdom work, that you and I are going to see family members coming to the Christ in an amazing amount of numbers. You can give a hand clap to the Lord for that one, man. Come on. While we do his business, he's going to grab our babies, our grandkids, our children, our fathers, our mothers, and he's going to bring our families back from the grips of the enemy, hallelujah, from the snares of the devil. Jesus said this in, in Matthew 12, 11, 12, he said this, and from the time of John the Baptist, 
began preaching until now, the kingdom of heaven has forcefully advancing, has been forcefully advancing, and the violent people are attacking it. It's not going to be something easy. It's going to have to be where we do it God's way. We, we put on the, the ephod. We put on our, our, our garments of prayer. We put on our garments of fasting. We put on our garments of praise, and we acknowledge God, and we acknowledge him in all the things that we do, and we trust him and believe him. He's going to bring our babies back. Hallelujah. That is so good news to me. That's good news to all of us who have grandchildren, who have cousins, who have uncles. Check this out. I was at my dad's house, and I have a nephew. One of the, I have, a, I have a, a sister that has nine kids. Eight of them are boys. Think about it. Nobody mess with that girl. You're in trouble if you try to mess with that girl. You got nine boys around you. And what was cool, when we moved from New York and, and my kids are going to high school, they said, you're related to the Perkins? We ain't messing with you. Because you fight one, you fight eight of them. But one of them who I connected with the most went off the trail of life and ended up on meth and ended up on horrible place. We didn't even know if he's dead or alive. But my dad said, I had a visitor yes, the other day. I said, what? Who was it? He told me this was my nephew. And I go, man, of all the eight, I connect with him the most. Is that crazy? Actually, I told him I love him so much, I fired him twice. He worked for me. Uncle Andrew, can I work? I said, yeah, as long as you can work on Saturday. Don't get, the, don't get the check and don't come. Had to fire him. Fired him twice. But he loves me and I loved him. But I felt like that is a type and a shadow almost that God's going to draw people. It doesn't matter how far they're out on crack. It doesn't matter how far they're out on drugs and how much the world has punished them and how much fire has burnt their life that God is going to bring them back. Come on, man. We're having faith for this neighborhood. Let's start having some faith for our family. Let's start having faith for our cousins. Let's have faith for our uncle, that uncle that seemed like he ain't never getting to say, oh, yeah, he is. God's able to recover what? All. He's in the recovering business. He's into the restoration business. You know, people love watching the show, you know, flip the house, and it's all ghetto house and all broken down, and somebody flips and it looks all sweet. They go, oh, wow, that's so sweet. And it's kind of joyful, and everybody's happy. Well, just think what God does when he grabs a person Pulls him out of darkness, brings him into the marvelous light, transform his life, take him from drugs to, to the Bible, take him from drugs to prayer, into loving church and loving God. Come on, man. Come on. That's way bigger than any house getting a new, new shingles and a screen door. Come on, man. And God loves doing that. Because when he's done, he's like, You know, when he created the heavens and the earth, how many times did he say he created this and that was good? God's bragging about it. He got right to brag. He made it. Then, then, and there'll be times even where he'll say, not only is it good, but that's very good. Because God does works, marvelous works. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so, you know, so, so David, God gives him the, the thumbs up, go back and take what... You know, go back and, and, and search. And on the way of looking for his family, he meets an Egyptian on the way. How many know that God does some crazy stuff? 
Who would ever know that God would bring an Egyptian slave who got kicked out of his own place. Malachi threw him away because he was sick and he would have been hard baggage and he was a slave, not a candidate to be used by God because he's had a bad life. He got kicked out by the bad people. They left him to die and along the way, God finds an Egyptian slave. Come on, man. You know, God's got some people that are going to bring people in. They're like, man, you are the key to this success for this part of this ministry. You are a key to, you are a, a, a strategic pin for my family. And they get this guy and they, he, he can't even talk. They feed him water. They do things. And then finally when they gave him some figs and, and some raisins and probably um, our sister's uh, marinberry cake, all of a sudden he started getting revived. He says, he goes, where you came from? Well, I'm from the Malachites. They went and uh, hit the Israelites, and they hit these people. And he said, can you point me to this place? He said, I can on one condition. Please don't kill me. Don't, don't send me back to my master. And he was an answer for the prayer of David. God used an Egyptian slave ready to die to bring victory to the people of God. God's going to raise up Egyptians and people from this church and people from this community that are going to help us get the victory for Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I just think it's amazing how God likes doing that stuff anyway. Hallelujah. You might even feel like an Egyptian. You might even feel like that guy felt. Felt like the world has cast you out. You're hungry. You ain't got no food. You feel destituted in your life. Your spiritual activity is gone. You might feel like just a banded gypsy. Guess what? God has a wonderful plan for your life. God's able to raise you up to give you some fresh food, get you some fresh garments, and put you back on the right track and make you part of the conquering crew. Because God can do that. Only God can do that. It ain't about 12 steps. Somebody told me 12 steps is the answer. I know it ain't. It's good 12 steps. It's successful in some ways. And you got to get your, 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 your higher power. But guess what? You better go to the highest power there is. And that's called Jesus Christ. Come on. He's the way, the truth, and the life. No man goes to the Father but by him. Hallelujah. This Amalekite was being used by God. And so they went. They went to chase down the enemy. They got to him and they fought him for a night and a whole day, a day and a half. Fought him. They smashed everybody except whoever, whoever was hanging around the camels, they got free. Said so like 400 camels got out of there. They didn't fight. They was gone like, hey, they ain't fighting. Let's take care of this business. And let's see what happens. Hallelujah. Verse, verse 18 says this. David got back. Everything. Somebody say everything. Take back everything. Come on. David got back everything. Why did he get back everything? Because he didn't just follow his own initiative. He didn't just go by his own wisdom. He went by what God told him. When God tells you something, it will surely come to pass. Amen. And God told him. And it said David returned, returned 
Um, it said he got back everything from the Malachites had taken. He rescued his two wives, and nothing was missing. Small, great, son, daughter, or anything else had been taken from him. For God brought everything back. Only God could do that. Came back and got, and, you know, surprised nobody got killed. He took back everything. Not only did he get all his stuff back, but he got the plunder of the enemy who plundered another camp. He had so much stuff in his hand that they didn't hardly know what to do. I'm telling you, when God gives you a victory, he'll give you a victory that's exceedingly above all that you can ask or think. You'll be overfilled. David said, my cup is overfilled when God gives you the victory. And God gave him the victory. Hallelujah. God gave him the victory. I believe, mark my words today, you're going to see family members getting saved in the near future. One that you might not think, like, man, I've been praying for 30 years. Don't matter. When God says, go recover, be violent, be intentional for them, I'm going to bring them back. Because he's not bringing them back to you, he's bringing them back to him. Come on now. And we'll get to enjoy the benefits. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. David returned. This is good news for the ones who got weary along the way. You ever get weary along the way? You know, this walk with God is a long stretch, ain't it? I've seen so many people sprint out and just go so fast. I remember one time when I was in the Army, I did a, um, uh, a um, five-mile run. It was like, and it was, it was with the um, brigade and um, the battalion. It was a battalion brigade. It was like hundreds of guys. And I trained really hard for this. I'd run up and down hills on one day. I'd run five miles up and down hills on one day. Then on the other days, I'd run quarter-mile sprints, running, 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 running. I trained myself really hard for it. When the, when the gun went off for to run, everybody took off so fast that I was like, I'm surely going to lose this race. I'm way behind everybody. But people that were running for years, I started passing them. I was like, what? What's wrong, bro? My side is hurt. I'm, I'm weary. I'm like, okay. I'm passing people. What's up with that? And I ended up winning, not winning the, the I, I got first in my battalion, and I don't know what in the brigade, but I got first in my battalion. I was like, what? How'd that happen? Because I didn't grow weary in the long run. So many people get out of the blocks. I'm going to serve God. I'm going to do this. I'm going to run for Jesus. I'm going to do everything I can. But then when they get to the long stretch, they get weary. God says, don't get weary because there is a reward for them that even can't even make it right away. Check this out. In verse uh, third, 21 of chapter 21, good news for us that don't have the ability to run, that don't have the ability or the energy or the grace sometimes to go all out battle but there's good news for all of us. Here's the good news. Then David returned to the brook Beshar and met up with the 200 men. Beshar was a place, it's, it's called Shade. On the way to conquer their enemies, 200 men said, we can't go no more. We're just tired. 
and it was a shady place. They said, I'm going to sit in the shade. They guard the equipment. They said, we just can't do it no more. David says, okay, we'll have to do it with 400 instead of 600. And it said that when they went back, the 200 men who had left behind because they were exhausted to go with him, they went out to meet David and his men. And David greeted them joyfully. Come on now. Because our kingdom of God, everybody has their work. Not everybody's going to be doing this, but you should be doing something. Amen? And so he, he said he greeted them joyfully, but some of the evil troublemakers among David said, they don't go with us. They can't have the plunder we recovered. Give them their wives and their children and tell them to be gone. But David said, no, my brothers, don't be selfish. How many times are we selfish, really? When you think about it, when you hold, when you be silent from sharing the kingdom of God, that's not only wrong, but it's selfish. You, God blessed you and transformed your life, and you're not willing to share that gift with others? It's selfishness. He said, don't be selfish with what the Lord has given us. Come on now. And I believe that we're not selfish, but these people were trying to get these people because they did not go to the battle, and, and David called it selfish. And not only did he call it selfish, but he said, no, my brother, don't be selfish with the, what the Lord has given us. He has kept us safe. He has helped us defeat the band, the raiders who attacked us, who, who listen. Who will listen when you talk like this? We share and share alike. Do you know that all of our parts are important, and we share and share alike? Some may have a bigger play. Some may seem like more action. Some may just be sitting down protecting the equipment. Doesn't look like a big task in the kingdom, but it's kingdom work. All of us need to do something for the Lord. Amen. And it said that because he did that, he said they, they, um, they did the kingdom work. It says that, um, that from, from, he says, they guarded, he says, they share alike, and those who, went to, who go to battle and those who guard the equipment will share alike. And then from now on, David made a decree and a regulation to Israel, and they still follow it today. He made a law from that point, saying, hey, if we're all working for God, if we're all doing the kingdom of God and believing in God, we share, we share alike. What a blessing. You don't have to go run five miles. You could just be sitting over there serving coffee. You're doing the kingdom work. Amen. Amen. You know, you might, not, you might not be doing a bunch of prayer meeting in the morning, but guess what? You can't be at your house while you're washing those dishes saying, God, bless our church. Bless our neighborhood. Bless our community. You know, when he was done and they received all the plunder, they gave gifts. At the end of that chapter, they gave gifts to nine different uh, towns, and they also gave gifts to everybody that David associated with because he took the blessings of the Lord and he shared what he had. Come on now. We're about ready to launch, it's called a community fest on September 10th. We're going to reach this community. We're going to have a big block party in our, in our parking lot on a Saturday. We're going to reach this community for the kingdom of God because we want to share what God has given us. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Community fest. 
Keep it in your mind. There's going to be plenty of opportunity to serve. You don't have to run. You might just have to do something simple as handing out a flyer or sitting at a table, manning a table. It's not requiring a lot of work, but it's all very important because it's kingdom work. It's for the kingdom of God. So my declaration to you today, keep your peripheral vision wide open. Keep your ear open because you are going to see, I'm going to see families coming to the Lord. Hallelujah. Family. Come on, man. And you know, the greatest family in the world is God's family altogether. We're family. I love where the Congolese have come, people from Congo, and we received them up here and we said they are now part of our what? Family. It doesn't take much. It takes one good father, a good, good father called the Heavenly Father, and Jesus Christ who shed his blood and gave his life to us. And then we become family. But God is going to bring the prodigals back and even save the people that have never been saved before in our families. Let's stand. Hallelujah. I just want to give an opportunity where you could become family today. You don't have to wait for September 10th, and you don't have to wait till somebody, you could quote a Bible or read the book or do something, but you can give your life today to Jesus Christ. I'm going to give that opportunity. If you, nobody looking around with every eyes closed, if you, if you want to give your life to the Lord today and say, Pastor Andrew, I'm that Egyptian, I've been, I've been beat down, I, I need a purpose, I need a destiny. I want to recover everything that the enemy has taken from me. I want to give my life to the Lord today. If you raise your hand, raise it high. Say, I want to give my life to the Lord today. Just raise your hand. You want to give your life to the Lord today. Hallelujah. I see that hand. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. There's more. Say, Pastor Andrew, I might be embarrassed. Guess what? Jesus ain't embarrassed you. He died in the cross openly shed his blood for us. He says, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my heavenly Father, the Father, the good, good Father. Give the opportunity again. If you want to give your life to the Lord, you say, I want to give my life to the Lord today, just raise your hand and say, I want to give my life to the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. What we're going to do is I'm, I'm going to close in prayer and then, um, Caleb, you can... Um, help with um, this, young, this man that said he wants to give his life to the Lord, you could uh, lead him to the Lord or give him some material if you like. And uh, then Gene's going to, um, okay, okay, all right. All right, I'll do that then. Okay, we'll do that. Um, I'll still have Gene close, but I'm going to close in prayer first. Father God, we just thank you, Lord, for you recover all, Lord. When it looks so bad, like the enemy tears down everything, you come and recover, you change, you have the power of God to do anything. We thank you for families, we thank you for lights, we thank you for what you're going to do in this church, what you're going to do in our families. We give you the praise, and we give you the glory. Father, just recover all, Lord. Take care of our family. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name, and God bless every father in here. Amen. Blessings on you.
I want to invite anybody who would like to become a member of the church to come and talk to me 